Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online knows you might not be able to get out to a game this year, but you can still get in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head on over to Bet Online today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. <laughs> What's up, guys? Here we go. Let's go ahead and get this one. Uh, wrapped up uh, after having to suffer through that uh, monstrosity of a football game uh, last night. We got a little break uh, ahead of us. Uh, Our next show is going to be our uh, first half review, if you will, with our good friend Lauren Cox. I know that's a show that I look forward to. I know it's a show that Lauren looks forward to. And I know it's a show that you guys uh, look forward to. Uh, as well. Uh, Lauren and I waxing poetic on the Bears and their first uh, portion of the uh, season. Good, bad, indifferent. We touched the entire spectrum uh, in those first 10 games. But, um, you know, before we get to that, we got to close the book on week number 10. It was ugly. At times, it was pathetic. And most importantly, it was painful. It was painful. And, uh, <laughs> I just I just want to get this show done uh, and, and put it behind me so we can move forward, uh, look forward to the last six games of the season where we don't have a murderer's row of people waiting for us. I think we've cleared that hurdle, um, but tough games that we have in the last six nonetheless. Uh, so what you say we go ahead and get to it? It's the week 10 review episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get this over with. Holy shnikes, what a difference a month makes. Today is Monday, November the 17th, or excuse me, Tuesday, November the 17th. And uh, a month ago at this time, let's just say a month, just short of a month ago, October 18th, we had just beaten the Panthers 23 to 16 to move to 5 and 1, heading into this ominous three game stretch with the Rams, the Saints, and and the Titans, and we were thinking that last night's game against the Vikings, uh, because at the time the Vikings were one and five, thinking that would be our respite. That at the at the worst we'll be six and four going into the bye. We'll have a win, so on and so forth. And that's worst case scenario. That's worst case. We'll be six and four. That's the worst case scenario. We'll still be two games ahead, uh, and whatnot. Instead, we lost all four games. Three of them, we had no business taking the field 
uh, against our opponents, and those three games would be the Rams, the Titans, and last night against Minnesota. We should have beaten the Saints. That is the hill I'm prepared to die on. We had opportunities in regulation, and especially in overtime, Drew Brees served up a couple of interceptions for us that literally slipped through our fingers, and um, you know we end up letting the Saints walk away uh, with one that we should have won. Uh, we should be six and four uh, right now, but instead we are five and five. We are on a four-game losing streak heading into this bye that the Bears need more than any other team in the league right now. That's for damn sure. Um, but I mean, just a month ago, a month ago, almost to the day, we were five and one, and now <laughs> four weeks later, we're five and five, and it's not looking to get any easier. We got the Packers in Lambeau on Sunday night football on the other side of this bye with the Lions, who I'm sure are going to be plenty pissed off about letting week one get away from them, who are also a four and five team. So they've been playing a little bit better football uh, lately. So, yeah, I'm not looking forward to what's going to happen after the other bye. I'm just looking forward to not watching the Bears get their asses kicked this weekend. And, um, you know, it's like when uh, my dad and I always had this this running joke with the uh, with the Cubs when they were in their their leaner years and um i would come in and cynically say did the cubs lose today and my dad's response would be can't lose if you don't play so we're not playing so we can't lose this weekend that's progress uh for the bears so (laughs) can't lose if you don't play we're not playing this weekend so we're in good shape we're 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 gonna (laughs) we're gonna keep our head above water or stay right at 500 for this week that's guaranteed what happens afterwards uh, that's up to the football gods, and um, yeah, not like I said. The next two weeks, I'm not looking forward to. Then we have Mahomes, or excuse me, Watson coming to Chicago uh, with the Houston Texans after the um, Packers and Lions. Um, then I think we have our rematch with Minnesota before Jacksonville and Green Bay to close out uh, the year. So. I don't know how any of that is going to shake out. I don't know what this team is going to look like in two weeks. Who's going to be healthy? Who's going to be our quarterback? The whole nine yards. So um, anyway, let's go ahead and start getting into this. Uh, We got our first quarter knee-jerk reaction. Right off the bat, I'm pissed because, I mean, third play of the game, we've already started in with the self-inflicted wounds. Odd note that I'll make about that uh, first self-inflicted wound after uh, the knee-jerk reaction, but in in the beginning, just right off the bat, we've dug ourselves a hole that we have shown this year we aren't really capable of digging ourselves out of. I mean, not since our miracle wins over uh, Detroit, and I think our last quote-unquote miracle would be the win over Tampa Bay where they started out 13 to nothing and we came back. We haven't shown any kind of life like that since then, so... Um, you know, these these early holes, the, the offense that we've been putting out on the field lately, the last thing we can afford to do is make mistakes that will give our opponents uh, a points or opportunities or an advantage. And before we even had a chance to get comfy in our chairs, the Bears had made a few mistakes and dug their first hole. Knee-jerk <laughs> reaction, first quarter, Bears and Vikings. Could have been worse, but it should have been better, actually. The um, the Bears come out and actually force a turnover on the opening drive for the Vikings. Kyle Rudolph, the tight end from Minnesota, they showed a graphic afterwards. His first f- career fumble in 137 games 
in the NFL, the Bears forced their first fumble, or forced his first fumble, recover it about 25, 30 yard line, somewhere around that area. The, the Vikings were actually driving uh, because right off the bat, the Bears, uh, you know, Dalvin Cook gets about five on first down, uh, you know, little to nothing on like a short pass on second down, and then on third and three, it looks like the Bears are showing blitz. Danny Trevathan jumps off sides, automatic first down, the drive continues kind of thing. Like like off right off the bat, we're already starting with the self-inflicted wounds. And it gets worse. First play after the turnover, first call from Bill Lazor is one of those stupid-ass wide receiver screens. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Anthony Miller gets shoved into uh, um, Mooney who ends up losing yardage on the play. On second down, uh, our offensive line with Leno, um, Alex Bars at left guard, the returning Cody Whitehair at center, Afidi at right guard, and unfortunately Rashad Coward uh, at right tackle, gives Nick Foles a very nice pocket to step up into, throws a laser right down the middle of the field. It wasn't perfect, but it was there. Hits Anthony Miller in the hands, Deflected into the hands of Harrison Smith for a turnover. So two plays in to our brand new offense. We turn the football over. Minnesota then turns that into a touchdown pass to Adam Thielen to go up 7-0. I mean, we're barely five minutes, six minutes into the game. We've already had three huge mistakes that have killed us, you know. But the Bears got the football back. They actually put together a really nice-looking 14-play drive that, of course, stalled out inside the red zone because Jimmy Graham, it depends who you talk to. Either it was Nick Foles was off target or Jimmy Graham wasn't trying because there were two passes in his direction. He didn't even lift up his hands to try to catch them. And the Bears had to settle for a Cairo Santos field goal. So that's where we sit right now. Minnesota's got the football. It's third and five. They're up 7-3. to three. Let's see how we do from here. <laughs> the quick note that I wanted to make about that first self-inflicted wound by Danny Trevathan, the offsides penalty, that was just like total amateur hour for a guy that's been in the league as long as he's been, especially for a defense that has kept doing this to themselves week after week. You'd think they'd pay better attention to that kind of thing, try to exhibit a little bit better self-control uh, instead, he walked right into the center and on like third and three, gave up a five-yard penalty to make it an automatic first down. That was the only penalty the Bears had in the whole game. So it wasn't 
a game where we added to our, you know, or other aside from that one, where we significantly added to our league-leading penalty total. For the most part, the rest of our self-inflicted wounds hurt a lot worse than a holding penalty after a nice play or uh, roughing the passer when we could have gotten him off the field on third down uh, and things like that. Uh, it wasn't penalties that the Bears have to blame their shortcomings in this football game on, which um, I don't know if that's better or worse. I, I really don't. I, I would prefer <laughs> to live in the ignorance is bliss and wonder what would have happened had this play not gotten called or if that flag hadn't been made or, 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 or what have you, rather than actually just watch them piss it down the leg uh, for 60 minutes like we did uh, on Monday night. But, you know, kudos to us. We only added one stinking penalty. It was the first one of the game, and then we didn't see it again uh, for the rest of it. And the the, the announcers uh, continually, you know, tempted fate by by making one note after the next about how there haven't been any flags in this game. There have been no flags in this game. And then the Vikings rattled off like four flags in a row and all their stupid-ass talking about flags. It's like, you know, the football gods are listening, you guys. Shut up. Shut up already. You know, because they could start flagging the Bears. Shut your goddamn mouths about the flags. And then if the flags started coming, but thankfully they were against uh, uh, Minnesota. But, um, you know, like I said, the we, we come out and the, um, the defense forces that turnover. Kyle Rudolph, who's literally never fumbled the ball in his career, fumbles it for the first down or for the first time. The Bears recover it. We've, we've got the football in decent starting field position uh, around the 30-yard line or so. The first play, an absolute joke because, you know, I guess Matt Nagy just had to put his stamp on, on Bill Lazor's play calling by making sure we run one of those dumbass screens to start things off. It goes nowhere. In fact, it goes backwards uh, when Anthony Miller gets shoved into uh, Darnell Mooney, poor kid, and... You know, then on the second one, uh, like I said in the knee-jerk reaction, it wasn't perfect, but it was there. It, you know, uh, Foles threw it right down the middle of the field. Miller was was open. Anthony had to go up and get it, but it hit him in his hands. He should have caught the ball. He should have caught it, plain and simple. I'm not putting that one on Foles at all. This is the NFL. You have to make those catches. You absolutely have to. And not only did he not make the catch, but he <laughs> – he got enough of the ball to slow it down so it floated in the air for Harrison Smith to come down with it. And then the Vikings, of course, doing what you're supposed to do in that situation when your opponent gives you a turnover deep in their own territory, you put it in the end zone. And sure enough, uh, they did. It was the beginning of the uh, worst performance I've seen Buster Screen have uh, in a Bears uniform. Both of their offensive touchdowns went to Adam Thielen, both of them over Buster Screen. The first one, kind of like a replay of that uh, touchdown for A.J. Brown last week. Great throw, great catch, not a whole lot Buster Screen could have done. Very similar to the first touchdown for Adam Thielen. Great throw, one-handed catch uh, for Adam Thielen. Not much Buster Screen could have done, but nonetheless, he gave up. The touchdown, I, I read a, uh, a stat on Twitter today. Uh, there were five pass attempts uh, at Buster Screen. All five were completed. 
two touchdowns, a quarterback, a perfect quarterback rating of 158.3 for Kirk Cousins in his five passes in Buster Screen's direction. Horrible, horrible night for Buster Screen. I didn't, I didn't, I think I'm forgetting how many yards it actually was, but the true highlight there was five for five for two touchdowns. That's, that doesn't, it doesn't get much worse than that. I mean, I'm sure we could probably kick Buster while he's down by mentioning how many yards there were, but, uh, We'll go ahead and spare him that indignity. He already made the bear down list uh, for the game. So when you make uh, when you make Uncle Larry's uh, naughty list, uh, you got some work to do. So, um, but you know, we we put together that decent drive. Uh, like I said, I'll say it, you'll hear me say it. And then the second quarter knee jerk reaction, you know, the what I'm noticing from Laser is that we're mixing it up a bit. We we you know we had a bunch of different running backs in the backfield, so we're mixing up the personnel uh, a little bit. We did have a bit more of a rhythm in that first quarter, especially uh, moving the football. But per usual, we couldn't close the deal. So I was like, I remember it was like the the stat that jinxed the Bears forever last year in that Chargers game. We we're talking about how it, it's rare for the Bears to get in uh, red zone territory. But when they do, they're the best team in the NFL in scoring touchdowns instead of field goals. Now we're, we're that team that can't, for the life of them, get into the end zone when they're in, in, the, uh, in, the, in the red zone. Ever since I saw that stat, it's been the reverse for the Bears. You know, like, you know, you always sit there and as a fan watching a game, you get nervous when you see them throw up that stat. So-and-so hasn't missed a kick in 31 games. Like, great. Now he's going to shank this thing so bad it's going to look like he was kicking with the wrong foot. You know, you see it happen all the time. So-and-so hasn't thrown an interception in 241 pass attempts. Boom, right into the chest of a guy that was standing right there the whole time. It happens over and over again. So, you know, you just get nervous uh, when, when you see stats like that. And that's one that's kind of stuck out in my head for the last year. Because this was a game like week eight, week nine last year against the, uh, against the Chargers. It was like, yeah, they're like 14 out of 16 when they do get in the red zone, but it's just so that the, the offense struggles so much they can't get in the red zone. But when they do, they close the deal. And that was the game against the Chargers where the only reason the Chargers were still in it was we had five red zone trips in that game and four field goals. You know, that, that was the game where the trend reversed for us, and we haven't been able to unreverse it ever since and Monday's uh, game would be another um, you know focus of that was that we got in the red zone on that first drive and then fell apart at about the 10 yard line Cairo Santos's field goal was for 23 yards you know it was a it was shorter than an extra point is these days in the NFL his second field goal was for 42 so we're just outside the red zone uh, in the second quarter for that field goal so it's just we can't close the deal offensively we fall apart when we get to this to the part of the field where we should have a killer instinct where we should turn it up a notch and we don't so so yeah we got off to that rocky start we dug ourselves a hole in the first quarter and in the second quarter it looked like the bears were trying to dig themselves back into this thing we forced another turnover but again the offense let us down so we go into the halftime uh still behind uh, in a very close game. <laughs> Knee-jerk reaction, second quarter, Bears, Vikings, and um, we shut them out in the second quarter at least. Uh, it's a 7-6 to six ball game. Uh, thanks to Khalil Mack, 
uh, intercepting a bobbled uh, throw to uh, Adam Thielen. Um, rare, you know, in you know, uh, Khalil Mack in coverage um, runs over to to nail Thielen. Thielen, <laughs> Thielen heard footsteps. Whatever it was, man, he bobbled the ball. Khalil Mack, Johnny on the spot, picks it off, runs it back into Viking territory. And you thought it was going to be one of those drives that the Bears could take full advantage of. Because on the first play, uh, Nick Foles hits Anthony Miller wide open down the middle of the field. He got a big chunk of yardage near the uh, red zone. And you feel like, okay, all right, we're, you know, we got Minnesota on the heels. Here we go. Three crappy-ass plays later. Cairo Santos adds a 42-yard field goal to make it 7-6. to six. So Bill Lazor is calling the plays, and what I'm noticing so far is that we're mixing it up a little bit more. We've seen four different backs in the backfield. Uh, Patterson, who's been the main ball carrier. We've seen Lamar Miller a couple of times. We saw Ryan Nall, and we've seen Artavius Pierce uh, as well. Everybody has carried the football at least once. Uh, Nall and Miller catching balls out of the backfield, and Patterson's actually caught a pass or two as a wide receiver. So we're mixing it up, but it's still Nagy's offense, Nagy's scheme. So like the third down play right before the field goal, we had Tripp's receivers on the right side, and all of them ran a route within the same area, and lo and behold, nobody was open, and we had to end up kicking the field goal when Foles couldn't force it into Anthony Miller. So um, on defense, it's a little bit too much bend. You know, obviously we're not breaking. The only touchdown Minnesota has was off of the uh, turnover that we gave back to them in the first quarter. But there's a lot of, you know, we're kicking ass on first and second down and then Minnesota's converting uh, on third down to keep the chains moving and everything. Dalvin Cook, 14 carries, 32 yards, so he's been uh, a non-factor uh, up to this point. Obviously, the Bears still can't sleep on him because he's a danger, whether he's catching the ball out of the backfield or or running it himself. But it's a ball game. 7-6, to six, we start with the football uh, in the second half. Let's see if uh, Laser can put together a better opening half drive uh, than Nagy was able to. See if we can regain control of this football game. And, uh, you know, get a much-needed win before a much-needed buy. <laughs> if there's a team that's needed a buy more than the Bears needed theirs, uh, point one out uh, to me. Because it's been a long time since I've come across a team that could use a break as badly as our guys uh, could have. And, uh, you know, how much this week. I mean, we might see a brand-new football team just on the fact that they got a break that they needed so badly at this point in the year just just having a break to break the streak of what's been going on for the last month maybe that will be you know that this is me glass half full uh on this one but um you know that that second quarter was was more of the frustration uh with the offense not being able to take full advantage of the uh of the turnover like I said, Khalil Mack put us in great field position, got us into Viking territory, that passed to Anthony Miller. I'm like, all right, man, we're in business. It was like a 21-yard reception uh, for Anthony Miller. You know, they get him down, and it's we're, at, we're you know around the 20-25, and then I don't know what the hell happens to the Bears when, when it comes to play calling 
uh, in the red zone. It used to be Matt Nagy's bread and butter, but I guess uh, the rest of the league has gone ahead and figured him out and uh, therefore figured out Bill Lazor, who's calling Matt Nagy's plays uh, now because we went absolutely nowhere after that uh, reception uh, to Anthony Miller got us deep into Viking territory and had to settle for the Santos field goal as as opposed to uh, taking the lead uh, into halftime. So, um, you know, as we would be as we would find out later, uh, the Bears only had a hundred and fourteen yards of offense in the um, first half. That's it, hundred and fourteen yards, and I think we got most of that on the first offensive drive that we had to settle for a field goal uh, in the red zone. Honestly, I think we got most of our yardage in that first drive and then just failed to do anything after that. So let's go ahead and listen to the third quarter knee-jerk reaction because there wasn't anything I didn't cover in that uh, reaction that uh, you know I could just say all over again. You know, The defense is playing outstanding. We forced two turnovers in the first half. Um, you know, we got points off the second one, not as many as we should have, but we're in this game and the only reason we're losing it is because of a mistake that we made. Otherwise we've pretty much played, dare I say it, a perfect half, you know, aside from those early mistakes, uh, it wasn't pretty on offense, obviously, but we didn't make the mistakes that killed us outside of those first ones. Uh, and everything but you know this is the team that has to be perfect in order to win and it's just so frustrating to watch us make those deadly mistakes right off the bat like yeah any hope that you had about us playing a perfect game and winning yeah it's going to be a struggle because we're the bears and fuck you that's why so there you go but uh, let's go into the third quarter knee-jerk reaction because this is where it all fell apart if you listen to the bear up and bear down show you heard me talk about it there Let's get to this knee-jerk reaction so I can vent about it a little bit more. (laughs) Knee-jerk reaction, third quarter, Bears and Vikings. And the good news is the third quarter is over. So now we're on to the fourth quarter where the Bears tend to play their best football. Um, We got off to an amazing start. Uh, We took the ball out of the offense's hands and put it into Cordero Patterson, who took the opening kickoff to the second half, 104 yards for a touchdown to put us up 13-7, to just like that. Uh, the defense followed that up with an amazing three and out, uh, got the football back, and then our offense did jack shit for three drives in this, ga- in this uh, quarter. Three three and outs for the Bears. Meanwhile, the Vikings... I'm worried about the Vikings now because on their last scoring drive, they gashed us big on back-to-back plays, actually. Dalvin Cook had his first big run, but fortunately it was called back for a penalty. So third and one became third and 11. No problem. Justin Jefferson, 53 yards up the middle of the field, basically put the Vikings right back where they were on the Dalvin Cook run. So I'm hoping those were just lapses by the defense and we'll we'll be good for the rest of the way and instead of Minnesota having figured something out uh with our our defense because our defense has been outstanding tonight you know like I said a little bit too much bend um but not breaking and you know just giving up a few too many plays to to extend drives and everything I thought we'd have better luck in this quarter 
because we finally got the Vikings deep in their own territory and was able to flip field position, but our offense has just been god-awful, man. God-awful. So because our offense has been terrible, our, you know, the Vikings have had a chance to come back. It's 13-13 and going into the fourth quarter, so it's all going to get decided here. <laughs> and in this next instance of what a difference a month makes, how I feel about that last sentence is completely different from what it would have been about a month ago at this time. After successful fourth quarter comebacks against Detroit, Atlanta, and then a come from behind win against the Buccaneers, going into the fourth quarter with a 13-13 tie, I would have felt fine going into it. Like, yeah, we're, this is where we're going to do it. Uh, we, we're, we're a fourth quarter team. We still lead the league in scoring points uh, in the fourth quarter. Let's go ahead and get it done. Uh, instead, walking into the fourth quarter this time with the offense that that ran nine plays for negative five yards uh, in the quarter, not uh, not looking forward uh, to the fourth quarter, really not looking forward to what we were going to try to do because, as I've said a hundred times this season, nothing we've done up to this point says we're going to be able to do it. And, <laughs> you know, we, we didn't make a liar out of me uh, this week. It, it was uh, – in negative five yards improved in the fourth quarter to 14 yards, or actually it was 18 that we got on the last drive to make it 30 yards of total offense uh, there at the uh, at the end of the ball game. But um, the third quarter, man, it just for the it to start out the way that it did for Cordero Patterson to run that kickback, and the reason that I wanted to talk about this is that I talked about it a bit. Uh, during the knee-jerk reaction because Cordero Patterson was our MVB for the week because of this moment, okay? You've heard me talk about for the last few weeks in the preview episodes about how the Bears needed uh, a spark, how the Bears needed a boost. They needed a moment, something to rally behind, you know, whatever it was, and that was the play. You could see it. Go back and watch the replay of Patterson running it back. Look at the sidelines. They are going batshit crazy on the sidelines. Like, it was just total jubilation. You've got grown men, some of the largest athletes in the world, skipping around like schoolgirls, you know, running back and forth and, you know, just running alongside him on the sideline as he's running. Guys on the field are freaking out. The sideline is beside itself, man. They were absolutely charged up after Cordell ran that kickback for a touchdown. You know, we, we're taking the lead. It's 13-7. to seven. With the way our defense is playing, that's going to be enough for us, man. It really should be. And I was wrong. The defense didn't go three and out. The Vikings did manage a first down on the drive. But nonetheless, it was, you know, that one play to uh, Jefferson, I think, was the first down. We forced the punt. We're getting the ball back, putting it in our offense's hands, seeing if we can, uh, if they can get a chance to carry some of that momentum offensively. And instead, Dwayne Harris murdered it all, murdered it all when he muffed that punt. Like it, it, it all the momentum that we had died right there. It died right there in that moment where he tries to do the running up to the ball, catching it thing and it went right through his arms and into the waiting 
uh, hands uh, of a Viking defender who recovered it about the 20 uh, yard line. Um, you know, he took his eyes off the ball because somebody was bearing down on him. No pun intended. Uh, you know, it just somebody was was crashing down on him and he took his eyes off the ball. It flies right through his hands. The Vikings recover. And the uh, we never got to see if the offense was going to be able to build off of uh, the momentum, the the spark, the boost that Cordero's uh, touchdown uh, return gave the team. Because you could just see on the sidelines, man, they they needed that moment so badly. And then six plays later, it's murdered right there in the middle of the field, uh, thanks to Dwayne Harris. And we didn't see Dwayne Harris again for the rest of the game. And I thought it was because he got benched, and it might have been. But I also was reading, actually, just before I started recording the show, they think Dwayne Harris may have torn his tricep muscle. So he got hurt as well. So... That could speak to why uh, Dwayne Harris wasn't out there for the rest of the game on top of the fact that everyone just uh, naturally assumed that he'd been benched uh, for screwing that up as as royally uh, as he did. So, But, I mean, it's just such a depressing moment for him to, to fumble that ball. Um, you know, And like I said, I felt so badly for the offense because they weren't going to get a chance to see if they could build off the momentum. And um, seemingly, they did not. Because the three drives that followed, nine plays, three three and outs, negative five yards of offense uh, for those players uh, in the third quarter. It's just like, how embarrassing, man. You're professionals, and this is what you do? So, um, yeah, it was really bad. So we, we head into the fourth quarter, like I said, um, it's 13 to 13. It's anybody's ball game, but Minnesota has been playing better than us virtually all night long. It's going to be strength against strength with their offense and our defense to see who's going to be able to overcome. And then the nail biting, uh, you know, wait to find out, uh, whether or not our offense was going to be able to put something together to get us a win, uh, in the fourth quarter. And, uh, as we learned, uh, that did not happen at all. <laughs> New York reaction, fourth quarter, Bears and Vikings. And Kirk Cousins is off the schneid. The Vikings are off the schneid as far as their luck in Chicago. The Bears continue to spiral. 100, I don't know how many yards we got on the last drive. It wasn't very much. But going into Minnesota's last drive of the game, uh, 131 yards of total offense for the Bears, 14 in the second half. And that's all you need to know right there. The defense for the second week in a row gave a victory-worthy performance. Uh, Dalvin Cook didn't start to pile up the yards until later in the game. I think he finished somewhere in the 90s. Most of that came when Akeem Hicks left in the third quarter with a uh, or early in the fourth quarter with a hamstring injury and then uh, you know it's like we just we couldn't block we couldn't throw the ball we couldn't run we couldn't do anything if not for defense and special teams this thing is even worse than the 19-13 final score uh, we have uh, for this one it's just it's pathetic 
it was pathetic. I mean, you, you thought it couldn't get much worse than it was last week. Statistically and otherwise, it absolutely was. Like last week, the Bears had over 300-plus yards uh, of total offense. Uh, you know, and we, you know, like when I was talking to Chris Gates, it was like, we got killed. And yet statistically we murdered the Titans. Well, this time our offensive performance and the stats lined up with one another, 131 yards of total offense with that crappy ass performance, only six points out of the offense, two field goals from Cairo Santos. And if not for Cordero Patterson, um, with our with the beginning of the end, uh, with the kickoff return to start off the second half, uh, it's a 19 to six breezy win uh, for the Vikings. So, a lot of work to do, and to add uh, insult to injury, Nick Foles goes down on the final drive when the Bears are desperately trying to, uh, you know, put themselves in like a hail mary spot or whatever. Actually, got carted off the field. So, I got a feeling that two weeks from now. When we come off this bye and play the Packers on Sunday Night Football, it might be the Mitch Trubisky show again. So, and with our offensive line and the way it's playing, that might be the worst. That might not be the worst thing if Mitch will run the ball. Because everybody likes to talk about how well Mitch runs in the pocket. He's running the pocket. He did in 2018, and then after he got hurt, he was either being told not to run or he got gun shy and was not the runner that he was in 2017 or in 2018 after he hurt his shoulder. So if he runs like he did, like say in the Patriots game, where he almost single-handedly beat the Patriots back in 2018, then yes, it will be a great thing to have Mitch back there and running around and creating yardage with this shitty offensive line that we have. But if he's going to be a you know more fleet of foot Nick Foles where he's just going to keep sticking around in the pocket waiting for somebody to get open, then it doesn't matter. It absolutely doesn't matter. If if Mitch is going to be out there, then he has to be the Mitch of 2017, of 2018, where he was creating things and, and making things happen with his feet. Uh, but we'll talk about that a couple weeks from now when we know more about Foles' injury, whether or not Mitch will be back, uh, and so on. Because, God forbid, it could be the Tyler Bray show with Kyle Slaughter backing him up against Green Bay. So... Mercifully, this one is over. We didn't deserve to win it, and unless you're playing defense, then they absolutely we we have a championship defense that's being absolutely wasted uh, right now, 100%. So we lose this one. We fall to five and five, going to the bye on a four-game losing streak with the Packers and the vengeful Lions uh, waiting for us on the other side. Not looking forward to it. <laughs> The Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online knows you might not be able to get out to a game this year, but you can still get in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head on over to Bet Online today and use promo code Armchair. To take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses, Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Support for the Bear Stock Underground also comes from Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision, precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Jingle balls to the walls, fellas! Listen up. Untrimmed pubes are a thing of the past. It's time to gear up 
and get yourself the gift of shaving this holiday season. And I'm talking, of course, about the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 3.0 has proprietary advanced skin-safe technology, so this trimmer cuts on your nuts. It's also waterproof, so you can use it in the shower. The lawnmower 3.0 comes inside their brand new Perfect Package 3.0, which makes for the perfect gift this holiday season. It's literally everything you need to keep trimmed, cut free, and smelling nice down there. And don't use the same trimmer on your face as using on your balls. That's just nasty. The Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0 also includes the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put this deodorant on your armpits, so why aren't you putting it on the smelliest part of your body? And yes, your balls do stink. Speaking of sweaty, stinky balls, I am thankful for their Crop Reviver. This product, along with the Crop Preserver, keep your balls from sweating, smelling, and sticking. And... <laughs> Boy, they really paint a really great picture of what's going on down there, don't they? And these products smell good. Their manly scent is attractive and will help set the mood, if you know what I mean. The Perfect Package will also come with a pair of Manscaped boxers that'll keep your junk feeling fresh all day long. It's time to upgrade those uh, overused pair of boxers in Manscaped high-performance anti-chafing boxers. Tis the season to Manscaped to get yourself, your dad, your brother, your friends, the best gift of all, the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. Once again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. Clean up your nuts and make Santa proud this year. Your balls will thank you. And with that, let's get back to the show. So, no, I am not looking forward to the games after the bye. Uh, certainly not looking forward to Aaron Rodgers getting his first uh, crack at us uh, in Lambeau on Sunday night football. Uh, and and honestly, not looking forward to the Lions getting their second crack at us, knowing that they should have won the first time around. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not, not looking forward to it uh, at all. But um, the funny thing about that Nick Foles injury was it didn't look bad when it happened. You know, it wasn't one of those uh, if you're squeamish, look away type of things when he got hurt. It just looks like he basically just got slammed hard uh, to the ground uh, and things like that. But, um, you know, what was bad was the aftermath, the fact that he didn't get up, the fact that he had to be carted off the field. That's where you saw that this thing was serious, that there was some severity to the injury. It wasn't he didn't get the wind knocked out of him or, or anything like that. It's a, a leg or a hip injury. The good news is we found out today that uh, nothing structurally bad happened to the hip. It's not a significant need surgery or anything like that, or at least that's the initial uh, word for it. Um, but no timetable given on how long uh, he'll be out. Uh, and also Nagy's already laying the foundation for the return of Mitch Trubisky by saying that um, – Trubisky returning as a starting quarterback is on the table. So, uh, whereas uh, you know, six weeks ago, seven weeks ago, when uh, when Mitch got benched, it was the Nick Foles show. We're riding him into the ground. Well, we have unfortunately ridden Nick Foles into the ground. We've worn him down to the nub, uh, and uh, his hip is thanking us for it. I'm sure. 
So we're, we're most, most likely going to be heading back to Mitch Trubisky. And the point that I made during the knee-jerk reaction is the, is the truth. Yes, uh, he is obviously better on his feet, much better on his feet uh, than Nick Foles. Uh, Nick is, is tall. He's got a great arm, um, but he's not the most athletic guy out there. He is a quarterback, not an athlete. Um, you know, Trubisky, on the other hand, is an athlete and uh, can run or could, I should say, because uh, as you heard me say in the knee jerk reaction, if we're getting 2017 Mitch or the first half of 2018 Mitch, where he would run and create things, get first downs uh, and everything then I am all for having Trubisky back there with the offensive line that we're putting on the field right now. Let him break the pocket. Let him get some yardage. Let him extend plays, extend drives, get us first downs, and so on. Uh, let him do that. I'm all for it. If, if, if that's the Mitch that we're going to be getting, 100%. But the one of the things that drove me absolutely out of my mind with frustration with him in game one against Detroit was how many times he should have run, but he kept hanging out behind the pocket or, or, you know, behind the line of scrimmage waiting for someone to get open before. I mean, because go back and listen to the knee-jerk reactions for week one. All you do is hear me bellyache about he's either waiting too long or he's made up his decision or he's made his decision, he's made his mind up before the plays even had a chance to develop like he's got his mind made up it's going to Cohen out of the backfield before we even see the play develop and Anthony Miller or Jimmy Graham is wide open down the middle of the field that's what was making me nuts about Mitch was that we know he can run he's the best running quarterback that we've had uh in Chicago you know Jay Cutler was pretty good on his feet Mitch was so much but be- is so much better Okay, but he's got to be that Mitch before that had that kind of carefree thing. And hopefully he does. I mean, he's lost his job. What does he have to lose? So maybe we'll see him come back with some kind of of reckless abandon, knowing that he's not likely to be back in Chicago next year. He's probably going to play his ass off to play somewhere else uh, next year. Who knows what his motivation will be? We're not completely out of this thing at five and five. There is an extra playoff spot like we've talked about. I think we're only a game behind uh, the seventh seed uh, right now. So it's not the end of the world. We're not completely out of this thing. We're just playing like it's over. Uh, that's all. That's that's where like the, the hope and optimism is being sucked out of, of Bear fans because this last month has been extremely difficult to get through. And... Um, you know, but if Mitch is going to come back and and run the ball like he did in 2017 or in 2018 before he got hurt, then yes, put him back there. Let's see if you know watching Nick Foles and his decision making uh, process has helped him at all. You know, let's see if that's helped him, or just watching Foles do this and that and be like, I can do better than that, and waiting, chomping at the bit for his opportunity. You know. These are all scenarios I'm hoping that are running through uh, Mitch's head. He's likely to be most healthy because the the last two times he hurt uh, his shoulder, he was only out for two games. This past week was the second game that he was out. He's got another week with the bye to get ready for Green Bay two weeks from now. So he'll be a month, and hopefully he'll be ready 
uh, to go because I'm not interested in the Tyler Bray show. I'm just not. Uh, as I was telling my buddy when we were texting during the game last night, Tyler Bray has an outstanding arm. I've learned that from watching him uh, play a significant time in the preseason. But he's about as accurate as a blind man, okay? And his last throw uh, it, to Cole Komet at the end of the football game was case in point, okay? Cole Komet was standing at about, uh, you know, let's just say the 30-yard line, and uh, Tyler Bray's throw was to somewhere around the 35. So, uh, yeah, just completely out of the neighborhood of where Cole Komet was and expecting the ball to be, it wasn't even close. So, um, you know, that's the message that my buddy received as that moment was taking place. So, uh, yeah, case in point, I'm not interested in seeing what Tyler Bray would have to do uh, against Green Bay. And I know some of you are out there and be like, why not? Let's see what he can do. It can't get any worse. It, it, it probably could. He's third string in practice squad for his entire career for a reason. So uh, he's not going to be that guy for uh, – it's the Bears, for Christ's sake, guys. Come on. It's not like we've been hiding this guy. He's our diamond in the rough. We put him out there, and all of a sudden, you know, it's uh, it's Tom Brady uh, out there. That's not going to happen here. Let's, let's be realistic. Uh, let's go back with the number two overall pick in the draft in 2017 – see if he can restore some of that magic that he had uh, before the shoulder injury. Because honestly, what does he have to lose at this point? Okay, he's already lost his job. He's getting it back because the other guy got hurt. Uh, you know, he's got six games left to to showcase himself to the rest of the league and or the Bears to, to see what his fate will be in 2021. And, you know, let's see him go out there and, and play with some reckless uh, abandon. You know, the hell with it. Just go out there and do it. You know, the pressure is off, man. I know we're 5-5 five and five and we're still playing for something, but seriously, the expectations for this team are so low at this point, no one's going to blame you if it doesn't go well because we've seen how we've played without you. It hasn't gotten better, and as a matter of fact, it's gotten a lot worse uh, without Mitch uh, at quarterback as far as the overall production uh, of the offense. So we know... I mean, we, I think we've known all along, Mitch wasn't the problem. He was a problem. And after we removed Mitch, things got better for the Atlanta game, but not much for the rest of the, you know, for the rest of the way. The six games that Nick Foles has started, he's two and four. Or is he two and five? Two and five. He started seven games, actually. He's two and five uh, as the starting quarterback. And, uh, you know, so it's like, put Mitch out there. Let's see him. You know, why not? Uh, even if Foles was healthy, I'd be like, you know, I'd be making the same argument about his running ability. Let's put him out there, man. At least he'll try and he can probably get us an extra first down or, or something running out of the pocket because Foles will refuse. I mean, go back and look at that moment in the New Orleans game where he literally ran parallel to the line of scrimmage because he didn't want to cross it to try to run for the first down. He just didn't have the balls to do it. Mitch has the the athleticism and the speed. He would have gotten us that first down. I mean, I even said in the knee-jerk reaction that was the first time since we benched Mitch that I missed him, that we definitely could have used him on that play. He would have gotten us the first down. So with this offensive line and the way that they've been playing, you know, the Mitch's first instinct every time, if he's our quarterback, run. Just run. So let them run. 
and let them keep somebody in. I think that would really actually help us in the passing game because they would have to keep a linebacker or a safety in to spy Mitch. They would have to do that, which means there's one less guy in coverage to defend, and maybe we could take advantage of that. Who knows? But uh, anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves on that conversation. That's just my feelings on if we're going to get Mitch back. I want to see 2017, early 2018 Mitch. I don't want to see 2019 uh, or earlier this year Mitch where he basically refused to run. And it, like that, go back to that the, the Atlanta game, that 45-yard run that he had where he spent 35 of it looking around for someone to hit him. Like he couldn't, you know, like he couldn't believe that he was out there running. He was looking around waiting for someone uh, to hit him before he finally, you know, gave himself up deep in Atlanta uh, territory. 2017 Mitch would have turned on the afterburners and tried to score on that play. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know if it's been coached out of him, if if Nagy got paranoid about losing his starting quarterback uh, to another injury, or if Mitch himself got gun shy and, and became, you know, nervous about running. Whatever it is, that's got to go away, man. That's got to go away. Pain is temporary. Glory is forever. Go out there, bust your ass, run for first downs, and, uh, you know, see if you can't get Chicago to fall in love with you again. You know, what else have you got to lose? Honestly, you're probably out of Chicago anyway. Make us hate. Make us uh, make us miss you. Do something. I don't know. But uh, anyhow, that's going to do it for the, uh, for the, for the review Bears Vikings for week number 10. We'll mercifully put this one behind us and, and move on. Uh, like I said before, uh, can't lose if you don't play, so we don't have to watch the Bears uh, embarrass us as a fan base once again with their offensive performance that so grossly outweighs how well our defense is playing right now. I mean, imagine how how much better we could be if Pagano could uh, be as, um, I don't want to say reckless, but uh, aggressive, I guess would be the word, uh, as Fangio was allowed to be because our offense was at least halfway competent in 2018 that we were playing with leads most of the time. So, you know, Fangio could afford to take a chance and go for an all-out blitz and things like that because, God forbid, we give up a big play, we've still, we're still playing with a 10-point lead. We can, we've got a little bit of cushion to, to play with here. Bagano doesn't have that luxury. He knows if he goes, if he sells out completely, and you know the the offense beats us, that that touchdown could easily lose us the game. So just imagine what he could do if he had the luxury of an offense that was middle of the road, scoring twenty four points a game, something like that. Um, you know, who knows? Honestly, who knows what we'd be able to do? Khalil Max numbers might be higher. Robert Quinn might not look like an absolute mistake of a free agent signing uh, at this point. One sack in 10 games from Robert Quinn, or nine games because he didn't play week one. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's fun to think about, and it also sucks to think about at the same time. (laughs) But uh, anyway, let's go ahead and close the book on this one. That'll do it for the Week 10 review of the uh, Bears and Vikings. And... um, we move forward now. We get week 11 off, and uh, our next episode will be on Friday. Uh, myself and, and Lauren Cox will get together. We'll review this uh, first 10 games uh, of the season. You know that we'll have plenty to say because when Lauren and I get together, 
uh, it's a it's an adventure. So uh, buckle yourselves up for an end of the week podcast that will uh, definitely uh, fill up your morning commute and then some. And uh, then we'll move on. Then we'll take a little bit of a break and come back the following Thursday on Thanksgiving will be the first preview episode with Evan Western, our friend from Acme Packing Company, to preview Bears Packers. And then on Black Friday, while you're out shopping, throw the earbuds in and listen to the deep dive preview to get ready for what I'm sure will be a disaster of a Sunday night appearance for our beloved Chicago Bears. So come on back for all that happiness and joy. Um, Lauren and I will uh, will get it done for you uh, on Friday, and then we'll go forward from there. So until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground.